It's a goal! He's done it! Yeah, what a shot! This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Just Sports. Hello and welcome to Just Sports, your weekly roundup of what's happening in the world of sports. Uh, my good friend Rahul Puri has pulled me away from a Twitter fight to actually come and record with him. Hello, Mr. Puri. Hello, Mr. Khan. It's a little early in the morning to be arguing with people on Twitter, isn't it? You know, I don't know, Rahul. I mean, sometimes I really, I really wonder where the world's common sense has gone because, you know, everything is just about jingoism. Everything is just about... Let's say what we have to say without really understanding what we are saying. And people have really lost their sense of humor. You know, it's it's really a bad time for the world. People have lost their sense of humor. There are skeletons coming out. Your icons like Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey are turning out to be monsters. I mean, it's really a bad time for the world. It is. It's a tough time. And, uh, you know, it... it, it if uh, something isn't done about it, I'm afraid it might get quite quite a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know what else to say except the fact that it's really, really disappointing and it's 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 sad to wake up to news like this. So, yeah, that's on that note. On that note, we can start our podcast, but it's really sad. Okay, guys, uh, your weekly round of our sports. Uh, we're going to talk about what's wrong with Madrid. I mean, they were the best club. Last last uh, season, they won the La Liga. They were they went and defended the Champions League. And what's happening to them? And um, what's wrong? We'll talk about the upcoming Chelsea versus Manchester United game. Could be one of the biggest games of the season for Jose Mourinho. And a little bit on Ashish Nehra and a farewell to the man who always was on the fringes. Uh, Rahul Madrid, you know, is it just a case of fatigue? You won the the Champions League twice. You've defended the La Liga. You've you know you've you've reached where no club has ever done it. And now they're just too tired to to, to keep playing the same level intensity. Is it that? Is it just simple plain tiredness? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. They, I, I'm looking at some of their results. They've had some. They've had, they've had some pretty decent results um, so far. But you know, they've had some really strange ones as well very odd results I mean not, nothing more than the than the game against Girona on the weekend where they they just they just never really got going um, similarly uh, last week when they played Tottenham in the Champions League um, you know they, they just didn't look like the Real Madrid of of last season now, I don't know I don't know what that's down to it, it is always hard I suppose to to follow up um, a season of such triumph. Um, maybe that's got to do with it as well. I mean, it's it's a little bit of loss of hunger, loss of appetite. Raul, if you see, I mean, let's let let's historically also look at you know clubs that that have really gone out to be the big ones, and then the next season. I mean, we have the famous Chelsea example where Mourinho was asked to leave midway through a season. You know, we have had clubs where they've gone out to win, and then they've suddenly not. I just think that it's just fatigue. I mean, you've, you've gone out there, you've done so well. It becomes yeah. really difficult to, you know, continue with the same intensity. More than anything else, the same intensity. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, I think that, you know, part of the problem at Madrid uh, is that, that they, they didn't add a great number of players uh, in the window. Um, and, you know, Zidane last season also had sort of rumblings and murmurings of of. Uh, players being unhappy and not getting um, a lot of game time and stuff like that. And I think that 
what happened, what, what can happen sometimes after you win everything um, is that players themselves will start perhaps being a little bit more individualistic. You know, maybe I, I didn't get the the plaudits I deserved. Maybe I should have played more. Um, maybe I want more game time, etc., etc. I mean, it is a World Cup year, um, and Madrid have a number of big stars that sit on the bench. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Zidane's man management skills um, are going to be severely tested this this season. Yeah, but you know what baffles me is the fact that they're just not clicking as a team. You know, they're just. Like Anand rightly said, maybe it's just down to being individualistic and everybody wanting to prove a point because it's the World Cup season. And on the other hand, I mean, you have Barcelona who's actually playing like Messi is a man on a mission. He's out there to prove to the world that, you know, the going away of Neymar is not going to take away anything from from Barcelona. Yeah, I know. I, know. I mean, isn't that... I mean, that's the mental side of sport, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you, you've got something to prove. I, I think that... In Madrid, I think at the moment a, a number of those players are, are are perhaps sitting pretty, and you know they're not they're not necessarily worried about their place. They're not necessarily worried about their spot in the national team, and um, you know maybe that's a, a bit of uh, of an issue. I mean, you know, it's very strange that a team playing essentially the same system, playing essentially the same players. Um, is struggling so much, but it does happen. It happens a, a lot, actually, in sport. Yeah, it does happen. And, you know, it kind of, in my opinion, I think, Rahul, it, it, it all boils down to fatigue because I, I go back to the same point that we were trying to talk about a while earlier, that you're just so tired of the exhilaration that, you know, and people forget that playing high-level football week after week, week after week, week after week can really be draining on your on your system. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, for the listeners, we're not talking about physical fatigue here. We're talking about mental fatigue. There is a feeling sometimes of, of, of satisfaction, which is very difficult for, for a, an international sportsman. I mean, you know, we, we've seen the, the meltdown of, of Novak Djokovic, um, you know, last year when he won the French Open. Um, that is, you know, this... this this feeling of satisfaction and, and a loss of hunger. Um, and that loss of hunger really does really kill off, um, uh, you know, your, your ability to be competitive as a sportsman. And perhaps some of that is sinking into to Real at the moment. I mean, you know, they certainly gave up very poorly against Girona on the weekend. Yeah, they did. I mean, that game, I think that game was a true reflection because you used the right words, Rahul. They just gave up. There was just no hunger or desire to you know, go out there and win that game, and that is what that is what was shocking about that defeat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, Madrid needs to get their act together because we all know that uh, Perez is not a very patient man, and the axe can fall on a lot of people. Uh, Raúl, if if it wouldn't surprise me this year at all if um, if uh, uh, if a lot of players left Real Madrid. You know, Madrid would want to freshen the squad up, and uh, one of the ways of doing that is obviously letting go some of your some of your stars. Okay, so that's the situation at Madrid, and uh, all is not well at Everton too, Rahul. And uh, you know, at the Everton, I mean, Everton has always been a club on the fringes. I mean, I remember the time of David Moyes being there, and you know, they were always fifth or sixth. They were trying to break into the top four. They would never do that. They were always the understudy to Liverpool in in the Merseyside derby. And, you know, after that, this season, it looked like that they might just do it. I mean, Koeman bought all these players. 
they all went out there but you know the post lukaku time they just it didn't seem like that they really got it together and who's going to be the new manager Everton are a huge club. Um, make no mistake about it. They are at the moment probably with Newcastle United. To you know, those those are two of England's sort of sleeping giants. They they they're massive clubs um, that you know Everton have been uh, mediocre to mid table now for for almost thirty years. I mean, everybody the heyday of the eighties where Everton were. Really, the second force in England to 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 that all-conquering Liverpool side. Um, so they're a massive club, but you know, uh, being I suppose the the less um, fashionable club to Liverpool and, and Merseyside meant that they didn't have the commercial might of of LFC, and and um, it was very difficult for them um, for a number of years finance-wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, th- this year they've got new owners in, or or they got a new uh, stakeholder in. Um, and he's bankrolled uh, Robert Robert Koeman, uh Ronald Kuman, sorry, going out and buying all these players. But even when he bought all those players, and there was all this talk um, in the English media about how Everton are now going to really challenge Liverpool uh, for domination of of Merseyside. I'm, being a Liverpool fan, I, I was never really worried because. It just seemed to me that Everton went out and bought a lot of the same player. And when you look at who they lost, Lukaku, who has scored, I don't know what, 80% of Everton's goals over the last two years or something like that, they never brought anybody in to score the goals. So I think that's what everybody has been talking about, Rahul. And I think you have also mentioned it, you know, in, in, in your previous podcast to say that I think Roland Koeman got it wrong when he did not bring a proven goal scorer to take over Lukaku's position. Yeah, absolutely. He brought he brought he brought good players. Nobody's arguing about that. But you can't play six midfielders in a side. You just can't do it. Um, and therefore, Everton never really got going. Now, the challenge for Everton in, in terms of picking their new manager is is who do you plump for? Um, do you plump for a guy who's going to look for Everton to be a sort of long-term project and like Kuman was supposed to be and, and you know move them back into the top six and with, with a view to, to getting into that top four? But at the moment, Everton is stuck in a basement battle and they need somebody who's going to get them out and save them from what could be a very difficult relegation fight. So, you know, the, the, the board is now sitting um, trying to figure out whether... Um, they're going to take on a, a Sam Allardyce who knows how to get them out of relegation, but perhaps is never going to get make them a top six club. Um, or they plump for somebody, you know, like a, a Sean Dyche who, who, you know, you give more time to and, and hopefully turns Everton into a into a force in, in the premiership. Yeah, and also I think, I think Raul, right now, it's also the wrong time because, you know, you're you're getting into the the, the, the November-December time which where, where, where games come really thick and fast. So you need a manager who's going to... Absolutely. And, 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 and Everton need wins. They, they absolutely need wins to start climbing up the table um, before you even start considering a project. I mean, look, this is November and, um, you know, Crystal Palace, uh, who are rooted to the bottom of the table, are as, as, as far as I'm concerned, they're as good as dead, um, quite frankly. I mean, you know, 10, 11 games played and they've, they've, they've lost eight or nine of them. Um, so they're as good as dead, quite frankly. If they lose sort of three of their next six, I mean, that's bye-bye Crystal Palace. 
Everton are not in a much better position at the moment either. If if they can't, if they lose three of their next six games running up to sort of December, um, it really is going to be difficult, difficult times because we know how hard a league this is. Yeah, and, and you know, to be truly brutally honest over here, Raul, I mean, even getting a new manager, no matter who the new manager is, where is the striker? The manager is not going to magically produce a striker. Absolutely. I mean, David Unsworth has now been in charge uh, at Everton for, 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 for two games. Um, you know, he had the, the League Cup game uh, against Chelsea, he had the, the Premier League game on the weekend and, and there's been absolutely no response. They lost both they lost both of those of those matches. So, you know, I mean, it, it isn't a guarantee that a new manager is gonna come in and, and all of a sudden there's gonna be this this bump in their performance. Uh, I, I think it's very worrying times for Everton. Yes, it is. I don't even know who the new manager will be or what can he do to change it around for Everton, at least for this season. So I think the the best thing that Everton can do this season is to just avoid relegation and you know then build up for next year onwards. Yeah, which is why which is why a lot of people are thinking that you know Big Sam is the man. You know Sam Allardyce is the man because he knows how to save a club from relegation. He's he's not going to play um, you know beautiful football, but uh, you know he'll get you out of relegation trouble and maybe that's what Everton needs. I think that's absolutely right, Rahul. I think right now Everton just needs to keep their head above water. You know, save, get themselves saved from relegation and then go towards making a club that can score goals because that's what's missing from Everton right now. They just don't have the goals. Yeah, they, 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 need, a, they need a manager now that can tide them over until January and then get some money and go out and buy a striker that can hopefully go and, and get them, you know, five or six wins out of their last sort of 18 uh, to try and save them from relegation. Absolutely, and moving on to the next game of the weekend, Rahul, which could be a big, big game for Jose Mourinho. He goes to Stanford Bridge, and we all know what happened last time, Rahul. He got hammered at Stanford Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Mourinho's got he's got one hoodoo off his back, isn't he? I mean, he he he, he had a dreadful record um, as Manchester United manager um, against the the top six clubs, but you know, on the weekend he, he got the win over Spurs. Uh, which, by the way, was a dreadful game. It was an awful game of football. Um, but I think United deserved their win uh, in the end because I, I just don't feel that Spurs, without Harry Kane, I, I just don't think that Spurs entered the match thinking they could win the game. So they were the one thing, Raúl. I mean, as a Manchester United fan, the one thing that pleased me about the Old Trafford game and what infuriated me about the Liverpool game was the way they went after the ball. I mean. I agree with you on that. I thought that, I, you know, I wrote about it um, on Twitter at the time as well, that, that United were far hungrier for the ball than, than Spurs were. Um, and I just felt that it was very strange that Pochettino seemed, his side seemed to have come out looking for a draw, which is so not the way that Spurs have played so much. But I suppose when you lose Harry Kane, maybe that's the mentality. But, you know, uh, as I said, United, I think, were, were, were good money for their win. And uh, I think that against a really stuttering Chelsea, um, that will uh, really put, hopefully, put Jose in a positive frame of mind that he can go to Stamford Bridge and get something. You know, Rahul, I, I honestly don't, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't really care about the result at Chelsea as much as a Manchester United fan as I would like to see the mentality of the team because, you know, you cannot tell your team every every week to change tactics. Oh, this week we'll be defensive, then we'll be aggressive. Then My logic is, 
you're going to Stanford Bridge, you are you are competing to be the champions of England, you have to go out there and play aggressive football. Even if you lose, I mean, I think Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, it's not that he didn't lose matches, but he didn't lose matches parking the bus. He lost matches going out there and attacking the team. And let's not forget, Rahul, Arsenal is playing Manchester City. And if Arsenal can pull one off Manchester City and we beat Chelsea, it can actually just revitalize this so-called dead title race. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think Manchester City are probably going to hammer Arsenal. But um, I think that for the for the title... You know, maybe not, Rahul. Let's not forget last year. Let's not forget last year. I mean, let's for, for the title race, um, you know, it's... There's lots of ups and downs here, but there's there's this really interesting thing that is happening at Chelsea where, you know, Conte, um, again, I mean, very similar to Real Madrid, you know, Conte's just won the title um, at a stroll, but yet his, his Chelsea side seems to be terribly inconsistent and, um, you know, missing something. They're, they're, they're missing something. Um, you know, where, where their striker, their main striker, Morata, uh, in the week came out and said uh, that he hasn't fully settled um, in London, um, which was a very strange comment to make. Um, at, at the same time, turning around and saying that he's looking to sign a, a, a 10-year deal um, at Chelsea. I mean, I, I would think neither of those is true. But um, just for a little bit of confidence, um, because Chelsea almost lost on the weekend, um, they would need a win uh, against United. Um, otherwise, there's going to be more pressure on Conte, especially um, after the fact that Roma absolutely handed Chelsea their ass yesterday. Um, in the Champions League. Uh, so, so I think it's going to be a really interesting match. But yeah, I think the crucial thing if you were a Manchester United fan is that Mourinho doesn't go there and say, well, you know what, I'll take a point. Yes, that's, that, you know, that is what is going to infuriate everybody, Rahul, including me. That if he goes there and says, let's park the bus, no, that's not Manchester United. You cannot go to a team that is in doldrums. It's the same thing... I mean, I'm sorry, but it was the same tactics at Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool, we know how the defence is. You yourself have said it a million times. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely... I, I think that that is what we all found so baffling. I mean, you know, here's Liverpool ready for the taking. And, and United... I mean, if that was Alex Ferguson, you, you would never have seen United play like that. No, never. And I don't see any reason why... I can understand parking the bus against Manchester City at the Etihad, but not at Anfield or not at Stamford Bridge right now. Yeah, but I mean, again, I mean, I think that, you know, Jose is not that kind of manager. He's a very different kind of manager. And, you know, I, I said this when United hired him, uh, I, you know, just over a year ago. Manchester United fans are going to have to accept that Manchester United is now going to become a Jose Mourinho team. There's, there's nothing that you can do about that. That is the way that football is today. These big clubs are... They're, they're the image of their managers. Um, and Jose is not, he's not Alex Ferguson. He doesn't play that way. And United have been spoilt for, you know, 25 years by, you know, Ferguson in his never-say-die uh, football. Um, Jose's not that guy at all. I agree with you. And that's not what Manchester United fans would like to see. But yeah, that's the reality of football. And let's see what happens at Sanford Bridge uh, this weekend, Rahul. And moving on, we don't have too much time left, but just a little bit of a word on Ashish Nehra. Almost like the bridesmaid. I mean, he, he almost was always on the fringes. And I think the fitness issues, he could never get over. Otherwise, 
Whenever he played, he gave his everything. Inconsistency, inconsistency killed him, didn't it? Um, if you think of Nera's best performances um, for India, I mean, he'd be, he was practically unplayable when he was able to get the ball to to swing back in. And I think that, unfortunately for, for Nera, I, I think that he's played at a time where uh, the balls are swinging less, um, you know, the pitches are, are, are seeming less, um, and that really takes away uh, from him as a strike bowler, um, which is why for the last you know three or four years he's basically been branded a, a T20 bowler because you know he gets to bowl all his little sort of change ups and and whatever and whatever and whatever and and the batsmen have to keep coming at you, but at, at his pump um, you know when he was really swinging that ball I mean I, I remember the six for 22 or, or something like that six for 18 or something like that that he took. Um, in South Africa against England. I mean, he was absolutely unplayable, you know, bending that ball back in. Um, and he's had his moments, but unfortunately, they've been very few and far between. Yeah, I think that injury and consistency will always plague Ashish Nehra. More than anything else, I think it's the injury thing. And, you know, he could never get himself to full fitness on a consistent long-term level for him to actually be a threat to the world bowler. Yeah, and I think that, you know, him and, and Zahir Khan, um, you know, they, they, they probably entered at the same time. And I think both of them suffered from from a lot of mismanagement early in their careers when it came to fitness and, and picked up long-term injuries be, because of it. Um, also, I think at that time... Um, it was just a lot of chopping and changing of, of Indian seamers. There wasn't really the consistency um, that you have now. And, and I think they both very much suffered for it. That's right, Rahul. And I think farewell, Ashish Nehra. I mean, you've been great. You've been fantastic. And you were always good fun to watch. I mean, he always was an animated character, wasn't he? I mean, that was the fun part about Ashish Nehra. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, 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 been, he's, been, um, he's been a good servant for Indian cricket, I think. Yeah, and that's all we have time for. We have actually overshot our time this time. It was a long podcast. We had lots to talk about. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. And hey, I mean, if you want to be part of the podcast, we'd love to talk to you guys. So please write into News Laundry. And, you know, Rahul and I would love to have you on the podcast and listen from all people out there who love sports. Because, hey, who does not love sports? Correct, Rahul? Absolutely. Okay, guys, thank you very much for listening. And like we say, if it's a penalty, hole-in-one or a goal, we will cover it for you. Thank you, Mr. Puri. Till next time. Thank you, Mr. Khan. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.